Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. What a day, what a performance. We have so much to talk about. Second straight walk-off win. We're going to get into some more minor league talk. We are going to talk about what's on deck for this team and just enjoying the triumph of a walk-off win today, all on today's Locked On Guardians. want to first thank, uh, introduce myself. I'm Jeff Ellis, host of Locked On Guardians, as I have been for all what 700 plus episodes uh we are going to try another stream tonight people like them it's not it's interesting streams sometimes do not get as many views as other things we're going to try it out it was a fun day uh, i want to thank you for making lockdown guardians your first listen today and every day wherever it is you get podcasts i know what you're saying you said you were recording late and i was but here's the problem i hit the pause button and <laughs> i didn't realize i'd hit the pause button so it is um there is nothing there. It is just paused. Uh, good one minute of podcast. But what a game. What a comeback today. Guardians win 5-3. Second walk-off in a row for Andres. It is his first walk-off win. This team was getting no hit until, what, the 6th, 7th inning? Like That worth, you know, it's something that needs to be commented on. Chris Archer had been no-hitting them for most of this game. They didn't even get multiple hits until uh, Thornburg came in. Like, Archer had the one hit. Uh, Moran was one and one-third innings, no hits. Duffy won in two-thirds innings, no hits. Uh, this was ridiculous. Uh, just going through and watching what it, how it went, no one would have expected this. Not Bieber's sharpest game, not his worst one, but uh, kind of mid-ish. It was a mid-game for him. Uh, Trevor Steffen was great. Brian Shaw had a nice outing. I do have to throw out what I talked about on Twitter, which uh, led to the most... Uh, gifts i've ever seen of people vomiting and uh sorry hopefully that doesn't trigger anyone putting it that way but the fact of the matter is he's at 33 appearances i want to say if shaw gets to 35 he makes 150k extra 40 another 150k 45 another 150k once he gets up to 60 it then jumps to 250 which would put him at uh, $4 million, which would tie him with Austin Hedges for fifth highest salary on the Guardians. And he still has things beyond that. It's, you know, 250 k for each five after 60. I think he can make up to $5 million. Uh, I don't know if he'll hit it, but if, it does feel like, you know, did, did, does Tito, is Tito his agent? Is Tito getting a kickback on this? It's kind of crazy to go and look at that data and think he got that much money from this team. This team. I mean, he's the big free agent signing. Luke Maley was two. Enya De Los Santos, that's your three big free agent signings. Uh, and again, it's really interesting, just you know, speaking of big signings, to think about this whole Freddie Freeman situation. I talked about it yesterday quite a bit, so I'm not going to dwell here. But you got to wonder, does, is it Cleveland? Is it the Yankees? If Atlanta doesn't go out and make that trade, where does he go? But remember, I will say this again. He is from the Atlanta area, from the state of Georgia. Uh, he probably took a home down discount when he signed that contract, so it's not exactly a one-to-one, but it's interesting to look at. Let's go back to this game. So Andres had been hit, what, four times in this series? I think it was four times he got hit. or No, three times. And what better revenge is there than for him to hit the walk-off home run? Uh, clearly one of the three stars in this game. Uh, unbelievable performance and you know it was interesting because in spite of the lack of hits like Archer was wild they had a six walks they got to that situation where 
you had, you know, was it runners on first and second or was it, yeah, I think it was first and second. I don't think it was second and third. Um, no, it, no, it was first and second because Andres had the double, which broke up the no hitter and then a walk by Fran Mill right after him, I want to say. And, or maybe it was a walk by Palacios. I can't remember, but either way, uh, no, it was a walk by San De Leon. That's what it was. But, uh, to get to it, it's like, Straw and Quan both had opportunities with runners in scoring position and one and two outs and a strikeout and a weekend field single. And I know there's this whole thing to get mad. I mean, Straw had a good game. Straw reached base three times. Up until that point, before that inning, the Guardians had reached base six times. Of those six times, two were by Straw and two by Quan. Those six times they had reached before that inning were five walks and a hit batter. But, you know, they had represented most of the on-base appearances. Who retraced multiple times in this one? Well, Quan had two walks. Uh, Straw had two walks. Sandy Leone with three walks. Like, give the guy credit. Three walks today. Uh, Andres had a hit, and he got hit by a pitch. Uh, Jose had a hit and a walk. Let's see. Was it just... And then Miller was the other player who got uh, boinked in this one. But he's not on a 61 OPS. We've talked about before. He had a good month. Shroom, where are you, bud? I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope you're doing well. Uh, do you still feel comfortable with him? How are you feeling about him? In my general view right now, it's like he does. It's interesting to go look at his baseball savant data, which I did, because we all talk about the bad defense at first, but they like his defense on savant, so I don't know what it's rating against because he's also played all over. And then his sprint speed score is actually pretty good as well, but it, he's been really bad. Like, Owen Miller should not be playing regularly, and we had, what, a late change to the lineup because of an abdominal, abdominal, a muscle injury for our Oscar Gonzalez that, you know, we'll see if that holds him out, what that does. Uh, If you are listening to the show, pause right now and go check out the Nolan Jones Grand Slam home run that occurred uh, today. It, It is a majestic majestic grand slam it is totally worth your time so i would highly recommend going and checking out that little bit of information watching that clip because yeah he should be up like at this point in time how often does ernie clement play because they don't have anyone else who can play third now nolan jones you don't really but and i'll say this the grand slam was off a lefty uh so but if you call up a nolan jones and you send down an owen miller yeah, you're getting more left-handed, but you're also just making your team better. Might as well try it out. Might as well see if something positive can happen. Uh, he is just playing so well, and Owen Miller is not. And you maybe Miller can get some reps to figure out what's going wrong. But it's it's not just that Miller is bad. It's that he is really bad over the last month. He's just he's gotten progressively worse and he's not really bringing anything to the lineup but the problem is Tito's still going to play him a lot just because of platoon splits which then hurts your team because the platoon splits don't matter if he can't play well and yeah that's just kind of the my overall thought here I wish uh, I wish Miller had kept it up I really do it's you know people sometimes think that you know I want to be proven right no I'd rather see the team I root for play well and I think Nolan Jones gives him a better opportunity he can spell Uh, Jose at third. I'm also worried about Jose's thumb injury. I mean, he has not been the same guy since he hurt that thumb. He just hasn't been. He's fallen off on all of the, you know, the data, everything else 
over on Locked On, we did a poll amongst all of our hosts, and you know who is the who are the MVP candidates? Who are the MVP candidates? Well, uh, since I can tell you right now that Jose wasn't top three anymore. He's there was a time where it was one A one B. It's not really that right now. Uh, I'll have that graphic showing up in the show and on uh, part of my uh, cover. But yeah, it's, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that he is fully healthy? Do you think that he is someone who uh, is maybe trying to do too much and play through an injury when this is a situation where maybe this is someone who should take a week, take two weeks, make sure that he is fully ready and able to be that all-star who, you know, was the center of this team. It's not to say that, uh, he's a bum or anything like that by any means right now. It's just that he's not quite the same player he was. There's there's the graphic. Uh, let me shrink that down. Put it up here for a second. But yeah, that's, you know, you, know, you don't really need to see me, do you? But that's kind of the infographic to show uh, what the, we voted for uh, for MVP. I, I did Homer out because I knew Jose wouldn't necessarily get a ton of votes, so I voted him one, even though I don't know if I necessarily fully am on board with that right now but yeah fourth right there what do you think about these ranks uh you can let me know hit me up on my twitter at jeff mlb draft we're gonna take our first sponsor break here uh on the show i need to uh end that wonderful sponsor today for the show gotta get through all my windows is bet online a consistent sponsor for us is bet online Listen, I am not necessarily someone who knows the most about these things, but when I give you good information, you want to head over to Bet Online. And when I give you those ones that I'm like, this is a just, you should pay attention. Uh, I'm like four for four in those. So Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source. Uh, for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports and more betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcast news this season betonline is the fastest and easiest way to check all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing baseball and golf head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action betonline where the game starts sorry in the middle of that ad read i got a thing about uh the internet not working <laughs> it uh, that type of stuff throws you off when you're in the middle of a read and you're doing a live stream and you're like uh-oh uh, but no, apparently everything is good. Uh, this is the problem. The stream is always inconsistent, and that's just the, the thing of it. And then when I post these, I got to be honest, I get lower views. Like it gets less watches. So I'm. Uh, if you want more of these streams, you got to be more active and/or watch them in a higher amount. I'm just going to be very honest and upfront about that. Getting back to this game, barely gotten into it. Haven't done the box score bingo. Haven't given our three stars. Haven't given the stick for this one. Uh, you know, going through, we've discussed. It was a one of the more memorable games of the year. After the back, after you know, back-to-back walk-offs. If you go back and watch my episode with Sully and Brandon Warner, uh, I said they need to go five and three, and that's what they did. Now, unfortunately, they got swept by Boston. If they just win what one of those games, right now they're tied for first. Uh, and it unfortunately doesn't get any easier because they're going to New York, who's on a record-setting pace, and they're facing the murderer's row of New York's pitching staff. So, yikes. I mean, not that there's an easy part of that New York pitching staff, but, I, I mean, 
Well, they say they're going. I think believe New York's coming to Cleveland, which, but I mean, in my long memory, it always feels like they go to New York when New York comes because New York fans seem to come out of the woodwork in Cleveland. But I, I honestly look at this, and I'm like, take one. Uh, I mean, with the way things are going right now, their best chance is probably Sunday. Uh, Savale, you know, I didn't. Again, you know, I thrive on interaction. So let me know what you think about the idea of you know training for an arm, moving Savale to the pen. But we know Savale has struggled. Savale and Tristan McKenzie have the lowest WAR of any pitchers on this team, and they're going Thursday and Friday against. Uh, Garrett Coles and Nestor Cortez, who, I mean, you can't help but look at Nestor Cortez and think about Matt Blake, who left Cleveland, was the pitching coordinator in Cleveland to go become the Yankees pitching coach. We lost Ruben Niebla and we lost Matt Blake and back-to-back seasons because we have Carl Willis. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so you have those two at the front. And then Jordan Montgomery is pitching very well, but Zach Lisak has been on a hot streak. The positive... After this is when it's, it evens up. Detroit and Kansas City. The schedule really opens up if you are a Guardians fan after this one uh, for the Cleveland Guardians. And that's that's essentially the saving grace. Like, this is a hard three games here. But this was a brutal part of their schedule. And outside of the Boston series, it went well. They took two out of three from the Dodgers. Took five out of eight from the Twins. I mean, go, you know, I, I talked about going and check out the Nolan Jones Grand Slam. Go listen to some of those twins announcers <laughs> calling the walk-offs. I mean, the defeatedness in their voice. You know, they swept the Rockies. They took three out of four from Oakland. They took uh, two out of three from Texas. They, outside of the um, the Boston series, they've won every series this month. And... Well, I should say last month, because by the time you listen to this one, it'll be July. But still, the Yankee series can be tough. But then you have uh, four against the Tigers, three against the Royals, four against the White Sox, four against the Tigers, and then the All-Star break. And the White Sox have lost six of eight. All that talk about the White Sox coming back, they are tumbling and struggling, and they're five and a half back in the wild card. I still have a higher chance to make the postseason than the Guardians right now, according to fan graphs, but it's a hard path for them to go. Um, yeah, so it's it's not it, when the White Sox, who are having a hard time, and the Guardians have played well against this year, are the team that are uh, the hardest team in the next stretch. That that's a fantastic sign. I mean, Detroit and Kansas City might as well already be kicking the the curb. The can't no, that's not what I want. Might as well. They're just we know the season is done for those teams. Like, there's no coming back at this point in time if you are a, uh, a fan of those teams. So we uh, want to thank you to uh, B. Skrills and uh, Sanjay. Sanjay, I'm going to apologize now because I'm terrible at pronunciation, which I assume you know if you listen to the show. A-R. Uh, but so uh, B. Skrills asks, uh, well, he more says, back-to-back walk-offs. Uh, I agree. They are great. It's a lot of fun. And thank you to B. Skrills for many comments on the uh, the videos. I appreciate that, dude. And uh, with Sanjay, do you think they call up Nolan Jones soon? I would hope so, uh, especially with Oscar. Oscar? Why am I doing weird pronunciation? <laughs> with Oscar Gonzalez, uh, if the if the abdomen injury is a real thing, then yeah, it, it's it's time. And especially because, again, now you wouldn't play him against lefties like they've done with Clement, where they do the thing where they, but, you know, Andres is now playing more. 
So I don't think we're going to see that platoon. But Nolan Jones gives you that ability to someone who could play against lefties, play right field, uh, can come in. Here's the thing. Honestly, a Nolan Jones, Oscar Gonzalez platoon in right field sounds great to me right now. With what Oscar's Oscar's kind of regressing to mean, I I think that could be a highly productive. uh, You could, you'd get, well, I mean, you'd think Oscar's been, but the problem with Oscar we talked about is he's been the ground ball king so far since he's been called up. And that's part of the reason I'm a little bit down on him. But Nolan Jones, I think, should be called up soon. I, I do. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think he should be called up. I think he is a player who, what more does he have to prove right now? Like what? Just pulling up his numbers in terms of what he is doing in AAA, he's been a different guy. He's taking the ball the other way. He's hitting for power. There's a little more patience to his game. Since he's returned, 24 games, 83 plate appearances. Strikeout percentage is below 30%. It's at, uh, or no, yeah, it is. It's at twenty eight point nine percent. His walk percentage is fourteen and a half, which is in line with where it was a year ago. His runs created plus is a one forty seven. It was a one thirteen last year. And remember, everyone talked about how bad he was last year. He had a one thirteen runs created plus. Uh, the batting average is unsustainable. <laughs> Let's be honest; like he's not going to hit three hundred. He's got a four forty four bat pip, and again, bat pip is good in the minors because it is a positive sign of contact. But you're looking at a situation here where it is, you know, he's probably going to be like a 240 guy. You're kind of looking at a player not dissimilar from Carlos Santana with more strikeouts and less walks um, and potentially more power. I think he should get called up. I mean, he's been on the 40 for two years in a row. There's not a whole lot left in terms of like options and what you do with him. Like, just looking because he hasn't been called up yet. I guess it's the only reason his options might be lower, but he's been burning through options down there. He's got two options left. He's already 24. And we talked about Connor Capel area this week. Connor Capel, Will Benson, Nolan Jones, all that same draft class for the Cleveland Guardians. So I, I hope he gets called up. I think he's doing enough to kind of earn that opportunity. Um, looking at the other top prospects at that level who are on the 40 man. It, you know, Ty Freeman, people are getting very excited and it, he's been solid, but he hasn't been spectacular enough. But I guess I was always down on him to begin with. So it's not surprising that I'm like, okay, he's been good, but not great. That's why I still kind of view him more as trade bait than anything else. Uh, I thought it was interesting over on the athletic when they talked about like most likely player to be traded. That's who Zach Meisel picked as well. Just as a little bit of uh, someone else agreeing with me on that point of view. But yeah, that was, uh, I think he does get called up soon. Thank you to you two for jumping in the chat. Let's do the box score bingo. Cleveland had five runs today on three hits. Minnesota did have two errors. That's five opportunities. And as previously mentioned, they had 10 walks and two hit batters. So they had 12 walk type situations. 12, which you combine with the three hits, gives you 15. And the two errors, 17 opportunities for Cleveland to get five runs. That's in line. Let's put it that way. Minnesota had seven hits, just two walks, and I believe one hit batter. So that was 10 opportunities. They got three runs. That's also in line. Uh, Cleveland, I mean, credit to not giving up. Two in the eighth, two in the ninth, huge walk-off win. Uh, Players of the game in this one to me, I mean, Andres, of course. Like, you you give it to him right there. I'm giving it to Straw. Straw has had his, his scuffles, but he reached base three times in this game. And no one else can say that. Uh, he also had the, what, infield single that, you know, with his speed down the line, they, they went to third and couldn't get Fran Mill, and it was a bad throw. And it was on his hit that those two runs came across. 
So that that's your second star. And in terms of third star, I'm like, this is where I'm he and ha a little bit. But I kind of want to give it to Sandy Leon because, you know, I was wrong. I said that Straw was the only person to reach three times. Leon did too. And his walks came in big situations for Cleveland. He he did not take it off. Um, and they did take advantage of those errors. I mean, the the one got that extra run across and they took advantage of the Twins in this one. And they didn't, I mean, for a team that's had a lot of errors, Cleveland played a very clean game in this one. Uh, it was great to see. I know people still get... You know, and I'm not the biggest Owen Miller defender, but uh, like I said, some of the advanced stats don't hate him as a defensive first baseman. I'm going to pause this for the next commercial break, and then I'm going to come back and talk about uh, a roster move and just talk about some of these minor league pitchers who are performing at an exceptional level. Because pitching right now, starting pitching, is the Cleveland Guardians' biggest need. Okay, and that is the end of the commercial break. If you're watching on YouTube, there wasn't one, so that's the advantage of checking out YouTube because uh, I can't put in ad reads uh, for those drop-in ads. But let's talk about it. I mentioned on yesterday's, two days ago show, I thought Ian Gabot would get claimed. He did. He is now a Dodger, if you missed it. So he got claimed. Not only did he claim, he got claimed by a very good team. Uh, two for two in making those statements. I thought someone would claim. And if you go back to Bobby Bradley, I'm three for three in predicting who gets selected off waivers and who does not. I think looking at some of this minor league data. So the first thing as I look at some of the pitching data, let me pull up my stream here. Let's look at some of this pitching data is, okay, where did I put it? One, when you're looking at K percentage, Daniel Espino is still king. Kate Smith may not be a name you're as familiar with. He is two. You know, he's pitched an A and double A this year. <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to cough in the mic. <coughs> he was a 2017 uh, uh, draft pick by the Twins. So I'm trying to remember how Kate Smith came to the Guardians because according to this, like, you know, he doesn't have previous draft data. So was he not signed in 2017? Um, was he an undrafted free agent to the Guardians, maybe? Went to Mississippi State, it looks like, and was a reliever. So when you're looking at Cade Smith, I, you know, this is where I get... That's a good point by B. Scrubs. The Twins had 28 runs, and the Guardians had 17, yet they still won this series 3-2. to two. So Cade Smith, <clears throat> just to go back to this... Uh, it's interesting in the regard that this is a guy who was drafted out of high school by the Twins, did not sign, pitched. This can't be the same guy. <laughs> He's pitching right now for Mississippi State. Cade Smith. Um, this has got to be the Vancouver. So he's a Hawaii kid who he was assigned to Team Canada. So yeah, he signed a minor league contract with the Guardians in 2020. And that's probably where I kind of forgot about him. Uh, but yeah, he got signed in 2020, which is the season, of course, where nobody played. So then last year in 2021 was his first season in the minors. And he performed pretty well. And then this year he is, you know, the he's been in Akron a little bit. And the ERA isn't great. But that strikeout, I mean, his, his strikeouts in the minors, his worst season in, in small sample size, I shouldn't say season, was 12 per nine. So he's missing a ton of bats. Uh, undrafted free agent, just kind of interesting to see those players in general. Uh, but number four, Andrew Mizia Miziasic. 
fascinating from the fact that you're talking about a guy who went to Northeastern, not exactly a program that is super well known for its drafted players. Uh, did Savali maybe go there? There was someone recently from the Guardians who was there. But you know, he was a reliever in college, too. That's the other thing. Like most relievers we talk about. And, you know, I got a question recently from Alton Jr., and I should go look it up in my profile here because I always like to like those things from the mailbag. And, you know, he has a point. Mailbag. Enright, Kelly, uh, Miklo Jack, and Mazizic are all uh, strike me as minor league depth, not prospect. We know most successful relievers are former starters and have plus stuff. Do you really think any of these guys have what it takes to be an impact reliever? I agree. Yeah, most guys are former uh, starters. What stands out is Enright had the third best uh, swinging strike percentage a year ago on this team. So it's maybe this stuff doesn't seem elite, but there's something going on there. And, you know, Kelly, I haven't talked about as much. Miklo Jack has elite stuff. That fastball has been near triple digits. So again, uh, maybe this year it's not quite there. And Missy Osik, you just can't look past the data with him. That's the thing. You're looking at a small school guy who was a four-year player, who was a cold weather, was in New York, and then went to a small school, and drafted in 2019 as a day three pick. The Guardians finally really worked with him a bunch last year, and the statistical jump is noticeable. And then this year, his command was refined. So I'm not going to sit back and say there's no chance for him because I can't look past the numbers. And even before this year, like he's a guy who made the Fangraphs' top 50 prospects. Like, He's lower on the list, but he's a lefty. You don't need as much from a lefty in general uh, compared to a lot of other, you know, compared to a right-handed pitcher. I, I'm I'm a believer in him, and the uh, the statistical performance is just impossible to look past. You know, in terms of K percentage, he's striking out 39.9% of batters faced. You know, it's not Daniel Espino at 51.5, but still, it's pretty good. And one of the guys I have to talk about, because I hadn't even realized this at all, Alex Young. Do you remember Alex Young? It was kind of a minor deal when he came to Cleveland last year because he was a, a Northeast Ohio kid. Uh, he was born in Northeast Ohio, uh, didn't necessarily live there, but he was from the area, and we haven't had one of those guys in a while. He was a second-round pick at a TCU, struggled with Arizona, and was awful with Cleveland. There's no other way around it. He was awful a year ago. 28 years old, so he is an older player, but what he is doing in the minors, it's enough to make you kind of take a step back and not ask for help. I've got a small child, too much Daniel Tiger. And look at the overall performance and wonder if now that they've had some extra time with him, is he figuring things out, A, and B, now that he's not a starter, is he found another level? Like this whole idea we just talked about of, you know, most great relievers are former starters. Alex Young was a starter. He was always a starter. He was a starter in college at TCU. He's a starter for Arizona. He's a starter for Cleveland. And again, he was a first pick of the second round. He was a high second round pick. Uh, He didn't look good in Cleveland. They took him off the 40 man for good reason. But in 27 innings this year, strikeout per nine of 13.3, walk per nine of 2.0. He's been really good as a reliever. So I don't know. I'd be curious to get better scouting reports on him, but he is kind of the player I went... That's interesting. So this is his first chance being a reliever. He's had a full offseason with Cleveland as opposed to Arizona. And statistically, the performance is through the roof. So maybe they found something there. 
if we're just looking though at things like FIP, talking about like who are the dominant guys, of anyone in an A level or above, Jack Leftwich, who is one of those Florida arms who just did not progress during his time in Florida, which was all of the pitchers they drafted a year ago. And it's why the rumor of them liking Brandon Sprout, the Florida pitcher who was inconsistent in terms of maintaining velocity, uh, I, I almost want to say go ahead and mock Sprout to them at pick 38 or 37. Is that where they're picking? Thir- yeah, 37. Like, put him there. He is their type of player. Uh, he is an inconsistent Florida arm, and they know that Florida's development is not ideal and that they can easily fix those guys. So, you know, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Brandon Sprout from Florida. Cleveland is very clearly sees a program not doing the right things in terms of pitcher development and are just mining them. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Sprout and Barco end up in Cleveland, which would make five starters in the last two years if they draft both of those guys. Because the other thing, Barco uh, was, I mean, he's pretty solidly more of a second round pick than a first round pick. He's a guy I mocked as a first round pick out of high school. Like he didn't add anything which, hey, Tommy Mace didn't add anything. And, oh, Jack Leftwich didn't add anything. And Brandon Sprout was inconsistent. Might notice a trend here. Uh, but, yeah, you go through those guys, and you know, Barco is hurt, and I talked about Sprout being in- inconsistent. Why wouldn't you want to go to Cleveland? Like, if you can get, like, similar money or even slightly, like, if I am under Barco, I want to go to Cleveland. I'll take a little bit less because I know they're going to be my best chance of development. They're going to sit there in that year where I'm recovering. Uh, by the time I'm ready to go next summer, I'm going to hit the ground running. They're going to have a plan in place, and they're going to help. They're probably going to add three to four miles an hour just off the start for me. So yeah, I I'm totally expecting those Florida arms, but just you know, David Sharp doesn't get talked about. We talked about Tanner Bibby so much. Bybee, I should say, because of what he has done this year, kind of really jumping out there. Or Trent Denholm, who really had that big velocity jump. Some of those guys from last year's class who really emerged. And someone like Davis Sharp doesn't necessarily get the talk, but he is like Logan Allen. He was the two-way guy who now gets to focus just on pitching. Clemson starters. I mean, who has there been since Clark Schmidt? Uh, it's not a program. It's a program that always gets talent. Like, Mac Anglin uh, was a potential day one, day two pick out of Ohio three years ago. Like He had some first-round hype at points. Ohio has not had a first-round pick out of the high school ranks Whew. a while. Now I go back to like Carmen Cameron Vergara, who like Zach, was it him and Zach Shannon were like the two big guys that year, and Shannon ended up bouncing around through a bunch of programs, eventually getting drafted by Texas as like a fifth-year senior. Uh, and Vagar was not even in the Tampa organization that long. Oh, also from Beast Grills, that Guardians are back in the third spot because Tampa just lost. Good information to have. So yeah, the Ohio, it's been a while since Ohio was kind of, it, you know, had a strong high school anything, which is you know funny because you go back to the '80s where they literally in back-to-back years had the first high school player off the board with Kent Merker and Ken Griffey Jr. And then the year before that, they even had another one like that was top ten. And now you got this situation where it's been a decade since they had a top two round pick. I'm going to cough again. So let's. <laughs> so it happens when you talk for 32 straight minutes. But yeah, the, the, when it comes to the draft, you know, Jacob Miller maybe ends up there. We'll see if an Ohio kid can crack in. But uh, this team, 
Well, hope long story short, Mac Anglin was a really kind of explosive arm talent. Most of those guys don't get out of either Louisville, Kentucky, or well, not so much Kentucky anymore, but Louisville or Vandy. It's not that often you see someone go somewhere else. He went to Clemson. Uh, he's going to go lower, and he was expected to go out of high school. It's like when Seth Lonsway went to Ohio State. He was like one of the highest-rated prospects, maybe the highest-rated prospect in my lifetime to go to Ohio State for baseball. And that was Ohio State's like best class ever. It was Ruby was the outfielder who I don't think ever really played, and Xavier Woods was also supposed to go, and he ended up signing with Texas in like a 13th-round pick. And Dylan Dingler I loved a lot, and he I mean, he ended up proving me right in that regard. But they had this class that was really strong and just didn't end up with a ton to show for it. It was coming off a year where they had six players drafted. It was one of their most successful draft classes ever, and it was just kind of unfortunate for that program that they couldn't build on that. But, yeah, see, I love the draft. I'm going completely off the rails here with this. But just going back to it, it's like Leftwich has a 183 FIP. Now, he is 23 playing in A-ball, but a walk rate of 149 per nine, 12.53. Uh, they have him starting. He was a reliever last year in college. Uh, we talked about Davis Sharp. Might not be surprised. Gavin Williams is six. Nick Enright, who I talked about, is a potential relief option who's been really good over the past few years. He has eighth in that. And Joey Cantillo sitting down there at 11. How lucky are they there was no Rule 5? Cantillo would not be in Cleveland if there had been a Rule 5. That's the no, no Rule 5 draft this past year benefit this organization maybe more than any other organization in baseball. It's an interesting list. Well, Dion was a recent high pick. I mean, they just have, you know, Raymond Burgos. How often have I talked about him as a sleeper? I was talking about him as a sleeper back in the day when I was talking about Cody Morris as a sleeper. When they're at the same level. It's just unfortunately Burgos can never stay healthy, but he's still performing. It's, it is a fun time to be a Guardians fan. And at this point in time, yes, they have all this talent in the minors. We know it's all not going to hit. We know it's all, there's going to be players who come out of nowhere. We know there's going to be guys who are, you know, viewed as can't miss who miss because that's how this game works. So that's why I'm still all for going and getting someone who can help you right now. Long story short, short story long. I still say go get Pablo Lopez, especially if you can do it without giving up Stephen Kwan, especially if you can do it without uh, giving up a Will Brennan. If you can go out there and figure out a trade with them that makes sense, you don't give up a Valera. If you can go and figure out that right deal, where the problem is they want a center fielder, and if you're not giving up Quan, Straw doesn't have the value right now, and he's very close to Jose, so I'm not going to trade him. But it's like, where do you go? It, it has to be Will Brennan, but how high is Brennan's value right now? I, I don't know. But they need to go out and make something like a three or four for one, and that is where I stand. Uh, I've gone long, as always. Third segment, all draft, all prospects. Uh, you know, first two, it's, we're taking for granted how exciting this team is. And I think we just need to sit back and not necessarily enjoy it in the words of our owner, but know that this is a team that's doing some pretty amazing things right now that is only going to get better. Like I said, Valera is crushing balls in double A. I don't know if it sounds a lot filthier in a minute, but you know what I mean? Will Brennan is just exploded this year on the scene they have guys who are gonna need to be added or already on the 40 man uh, it's it we should see waves of talent hitting this team throughout the year there should be more players stepping up and outside of catcher and outside of starting pitching I don't really see a starting pitcher who's going to step in this year unless Cody Morris gets healthy and we haven't heard a word out of Cody, Cody Morris in a while and that's a little bit of a concern for me 
But unless like Morris is healthy, like most of those guys, you're not going to, you know, Espino hasn't been healthy or maybe he would be an option. They don't have a ready-made starter. And then Bo Naylor, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Again, you want to see more than just one hot half. Every time there's one hot half, I think about Wes Hodges, uh, which could be something, (laughs) you know, back how long I've been doing this. But yeah, Wes Hodges was the guy who made himself look like a borderline top 100 prospect based on a hot first half and then was never quite the same guy. I'm Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Oh, I put a second. Am- oh, nope, that's not the right one. I put a, a second text in here. Let's just flash that a bit for the YouTube crowd. That's right. Guardians crush twins. I'm Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for this week. July, we're already there, and the Guardians are in contention as we enter July. Uh, As I stated, I'm Jeff Ellis, and as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.